As long as it's not like two hours or something no, of it's, it's audio couple, from like you, minute, Dan. I'm a minute and, recording for a minute and twenty right now. Dan's just sitting there with a half hour of uh, garbage that you have to scrub through to find out when he says, "I'm Dan." <laughs> <laughs> it's not the length of the pre-roll; it's the quality of the pre-roll. You don't. No one else was recording, so it's just Dan's words. It's like. <laughs> You got yourself a, a <laughs> smash cut of everything Dan can say in a half hour. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> yes. Out of context. The best. I'm going to listen to that before going to sleep. Ooh. Bonus Dan rant. Just me having a one con- one-sided conversation with myself? Mm. I, I like this. I like the sound of this. It's a lot less ranty when he's in pre-show. Probably because we're not talking about the movie yet. It's going to put me right to sleep. Hey, I'm Joe. I'm Ken. I'm Andrew. And I'm Dan. We're the Rewinders Podcast, rewinding movies to see if they hold up. And this time, we unfurled the map of time and space and fell through some black squares to see the movie Time Bandits. I apologize, guys. I remember this movie so much more differently than than it actually is. (laughs) Uh, I was really excited to watch this movie, and like because I'm I'm out visiting family, my family watched it with me at the same time. And, Interesting. Uh yeah, there were a lot of questions that I didn't I didn't have answers for. <laughs> I would love to be be present for for a group watching for this film. I I would love to see other people's reactions. I'd love to see. I feel like any Terry Gillen film would be amazing to just sit back and watch how it hits people differently. Are they around? Can we get like a one take review from everyone? Uh, I mean, I I could try to get like a few a few sentences from everybody. It would take a little bit of time, and I'd have to like because they're not nearby. I'm at the I'm at my hotel, and they're all at my sister's house right now. Because her internet is not as good as the hotel internet is, so. And I'll say that this movie did have the feel of uh, that Howie Mandel, Fred Savage movie we watched, uh, Little Monsters. Ooh, good call. I like that. But ultimately, I believe that perhaps we got Bill and Ted's excellent adventure because of this movie, because time <laughs> travel. So maybe something good came out of it. There's There was some good stuff out of it. It was a fun movie. But yeah, we'll get into that. So... What is everyone's history with Time Bandits? Late tens and teens was the last time. Late ten, late tens, or no, early tens. So ten, eleven, twelve was when I watched it the first time, and I know I've watched it a couple other times after that. But that was probably when I was in middle school, beginning beginning high school, and I hadn't watched it since until yesterday so was it was it something that you you had just passed by or did it have any significance to you that you like sought if it out i remember seeing remember correctly i saw it on the shelf at the rental place and the the cover art was what got me the the ship with the grid line like the map grid lines in the distance and the it was, it was literally just the cover of the VHS box that got me to rent. I mean, I, that's basically how I rented any of my movies when I was little. Judging books by covers. That's the best way to do it. I think this movie was something I watched, not in full, but in pieces, off and on when I was younger. And I'm going to say that's because I don't think my parents were really into the genre 
I'll say of Terry Gilliam. <laughs> my dad's more of a Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of man, and my mom's a Lifetime Channel slash romantic movie kind of lady. So this doesn't really fall in line with those categories. But I, I do recall seeing scenes of this, not together, but separate, and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That and plus, I love Terry Gilliam's work. I I had never seen the movie when growing up. I you know watched a lot of Monty Python, so it's actually kind of a surprise we never made our way over to this movie. And actually, this movie probably would have played pretty okay in my house growing up. However, I mean, we just never did, and I just never made my way to this movie for whatever reason. I can't even tell you why. Yeah, this is uh. This is a weird one for me. So I've passed this movie up probably at least a couple dozen times. I don't know why. I've always wanted to watch it. I just never got around to it. It was like Dan said, I always saw the cover. I've seen the cover in pop culture as well. Like people have posters of this film's cover in their backgrounds. So like rooms and stuff like that. It's like, what is Time Bandits? It just sounds fun. It's got a great name. What is this? And I never looked into it i never realized it was a terry gillen film and i never really looked at the premise or anything so i kind of wanted to go into this completely blind and that's what i did and <laughs> I'm, I'm glad i took that stance because it was the same thing with brazil when i watched that for the first time maybe like six seven months ago that was an experience walking into blind as well so mm -hmm. I, i'm glad i finally had a reason to watch this movie because like i said it's it's been one of those ones that i've passed up so many times for no reason whatsoever it's just one of those movies I was just like, yeah, I'll get around to watching that eventually. But here we are. It's interesting you say going into blind, because I, I also went into this one blind. And uh, normally uh, when things come out and people are like, oh, I want to talk about this. I'm, and they're like, have you seen it? Like, spoil away. I don't care. I, if I watch it, I'll watch it. Not a big deal if you spoil it. And uh, like even like Loki right now, very, very cool thing to try not to spoil for people. Yeah, hey, whatever. Just talk about it. Nobody ever does uh, spoil things for me, which is very weird to me because I feel like they're really eking to get it out. And I'm giving them the permission to. Anyway, so I'm hearing you're a robot, Ken. I, yeah, I haven't watched Brazil. And now I kind of don't want to have that anything spoiled about that i want i kind of want to go into that one blind oh brazil you, you, you can't have do anything do it you you have to jump oh, into brazil so good it's so i haven't good. watched brazil and i haven't watched the adventures of baron munchausen so i don't know oh I, I i'm so good i'm halfway through baron munchausen that that was a surprise movie so i watched brazil and brazil's just like this profound movie that just the, the second I clicked it, it's nothing like what I expected. And I was just taken back and just kind of like... It's one of those movies that shell-shocks the shit out of you. And you just stop looking at your phone. <laughs> you're staring at the screen like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> and that's how it felt the entire time. And then Baron uh, Munchausen, I, I, I checked that out right away afterwards. I couldn't really get into it right away. But then it started growing on me. Like I said, I'm about halfway through, mm -hmm. just never, never finished it. But... I had that exact same thing on this, and 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 that's I'm starting to realize that that is that's just Terry Gilliam. When you jump into a Terry Gilliam movie, it's like jumping into someone's brain, as as you're just caught in this like whirlpool of all their thoughts and emotions and craziness spiraling all around you. It is such an experience, and I I've really grown to appreciate that. He definitely does not piece his movies together with clean starts, cleaned ends, the whole 
uh, hero's journey and stuff like that. It doesn't deviate far, but it also doesn't follow the rules as well. It's it's such a refreshing take on bringing in that kind of creativity. I love it. I love yeah. this stuff. No, that's an amazing way to put it because that's that sums up exactly how I feel towards watching the last three movies of his. Is there's there's no typical narrative there's no typical arch there's there, there's no typical format like you said you're just thrown into this shit <laughs> and stuff's just happening all around you it builds it, it deflates it drags a little bit it builds back up and, and then usually it's capped off by something like completely wacky or something really funny at the end and it's just it's it's such an adventure except for this movie it's just sad i, I don't know i I loved the ending. Oh, yeah, yeah. As I was watching it, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, man, I, I, I really want to go back and watch uh, Holy Grail again, like the 30, 40th time I always do in my head. Because <laughs> I love that ending, that abrupt police car coming to take them away. And I, I felt the same kind of, like, feel, the same vein in the ending of this film. Uh, when, when that came by, it was just like, what the hell? I just couldn't stop laughing my ass off. It was... Oh, this... What a trip. What a trip. I'm excited to talk about this. You know you know how uh, the end you're talking the end of Monty Python and uh, you know they get arrested. Spoilers. Sorry, that's supposed to go before you say the spoiler. Anyway, uh, they get arrested and that kinda happened because, you know, in real life the police came down and shut down shooting. So that's kind of what's happened. In this movie they kind of did the same thing where uh, a lot of what they were doing in the movie was just based on the uh, the feelings that were going through the cast. I had read that the uh, the part where they turn on the uh, the 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 person who's being the leader mm-hmm. uh, in this movie, they had actually the uh, guy who was being the leader type person was being very standoffish, and the rest of the crew was kind of being like not Are you very about positive towards him. So David Rappaport. I I couldn't tell you names. I can barely tell Randall? you. Randall. I watched this. Yeah, I think I think it was Randall. Yeah. I watched this like three weeks ago. <laughs> anyway, they had written in the mutiny because uh, because there was a actual real life headbutting going on on this uh, on set. Mm. So like, there's various things in this movie that happened just because you know. And I, I'm imagining now pr- pretty much all their movies that they're just like, well, this is happening in real life. Let's throw it in the movie. That's that's amazing. I, I like that. Yeah. I, I like a little bit of that background drama sensibility from from some of these things. It's like having that little nugget of wisdom is is, is always fun to know how how the film came together and, and the kind of the struggles they went through. I, I, I completely off topic, but I read recently uh, Stranger Things. You, you guys all know how the buyers had a dog in the first season. They had a family dog, and then it just disappears for the rest of the show. And I, I, hmm. I guess David Harbour just like lost his shit while they were f- filming season one, and he. The dog would not listen. The dog would not do the stuff it was supposed to do. So Harbor was pretty reserved and never really had any issues on set, but he just couldn't stand working with the dog because the dog just continuously kept missing cues and they just kept having to do reshoots to the point where he finally walked off set to go back to his trailer. And at one point, he actually joked to the directors. He's like, can, can we just kill the dog off? Can, can the dog just die by the next season? And they kind of did because they never once mention it. Yeah. I guess I guess they were planning on doing like a, a scene with like a you know a gravestone with the dog's name on it in the buyer's backyard or something. Did the dog get never, eaten by the gorgon? Never brought it up. I thought the dog got eaten no, by the they, gorgon. No, it just it never comes up again. Nobody ever talks about the dog. The dog just disappears. Hmm. <laughs> they put enough time between seasons where you, you just forget about the dog. 
It's not like the dog was a major plot point or anything. It would have just been around. Yeah, I mean, it was just there to growl at things in the in the first season. That's that's about it. I could have sworn the dog got killed by the Gorgon. God, I have no re- recollection of the show. Well, luckily I can go back and watch it. I just love his quote. His quote is exactly, I hated that fucking dog. I hated that fucking dog so bad. <laughs> just <laughs> makes me so happy. Poor dog. I know. It's just trying to do its best and yeah, whatever. <laughs> so if you have not seen the film Time Bandits, here's a short summation. There's a little UK boy in cheery old England who's treated like a little kid in cheery old in, in, in England, sorry, where children are to be seen but not heard. And that kid makes the grave mistake of being excited about things and wanting to talk to his parents. And that's the downfall of this child. Being intellectually stimulated by history and wanting to talk about it. Then we are left to think that his wild imagination takes him on a ride through time with these gentlemen that are referred to as time bandits. And they are running away from the... Uh, Supreme um, Being. Supreme Being, thank you. I was going to say Ultimate Fighter. No, um, so the Supreme <laughs> Being, which is a talking head that flies at them. And they have a map that shows them how to jump through time and space. And they have hilarious hijinks and silliness. And at no time is anything really feel dangerous but there are some serious stuff that happens along the way. And yeah, then they uh, fight Supreme Evil and they win. And then everything just kind of goes back. Not to normal, but goes back. And then, like uh, Andy said, there is a fun final scene that leaves you going, wait a minute. How is this fun? I'm going to argue that this is a fun final scene. (laughs) For for, <laughs> for dark humorists, it's a very fun it's a very fun ending. Yes. Oh, right! It's been three weeks. I remember now. Just how normalized it is. It's and so everyone good. just continues with their life like not that didn't happen. The firefighters nope. just pack up and leave. Like it's just the greatest ending. But I, I, I have to I have to compliment the, the design and the scenes involving the Supreme Being. I was slack jawed. I, I set my phone down. I was staring at the screen. I was laughing my ass off. Because that is my kind of humor, and it was just the most bizarre, surreal thing. Just a head floating shouting, Return what you've stolen from me. <laughs> it was the greatest thing for me that I've seen in a long time. I love that. That whole hallway sequence was just so oh, incredible. It's great. It's a great way to kick off your surre- surrealism where you get a bunch of dwarves just falling into your room and then all of a sudden they're pushing your walls away like, whoa. I know. It's just like, after, after witnessing that, it, it's just like, you, you know what you're in for. You know what's coming up and it's just, hold on, get ready for the ride. There's just nothing nothing that could prepare you for this. You'd think with that kind of reality bending, they wouldn't really have any sort of other problems because they could just, you know, push their way through bars or make themselves a path so they don't have to swing around and almost fall off a cliff. But they, they really seem to uh, reserve these uh, magic tricks for when they're needed. It's the most 
bizarre and needed. Like when they're going to steal Napoleon's hoard of gold that fills an entire room, but they pack it all into a tapestry that they drag with them. (laughs) 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 And did they really need all that gold? Eh, Why not? It'd be a lot easier to get out of there unscathed without it, without all of it. (laughs) And then the time holes, man. If we're talking inconsistencies, like, oh, we can go anywhere we want in time, whenever we want. Like, we just have to find the right spot that's going to be going to the right place, and we have to be near it. And there's a lot of stipulations for anywhere in time. And the holes open and close. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no real explanation how they know where they go and stuff like that. So... It definitely leaves a gray area for your imagination to fill in. But if you're analytical, you're like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's that's me. (laughs) This entire movie, (laughs) was I watching? (laughs) I mean, there was a couple of things I'd really liked. Like, I forgot that, you know, Sean Connery's a real f***ing looker when he was young. Like, holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, I was was shocked he didn't have gray hair. It was crazy. Oh, and I just swore. I I gotta... Sorry. Once I heard once I heard his voice, it's just like, oh my god, I, I didn't realize he was in this, and I got really excited. And same thing with Ian Holm. When Ian Holm just shows up, it's like, holy shit, yes, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But they uh, they have Sean Connery wear a helmet when he first shows up, just just so they can eke out the, <laughs> hey, who is this guy? A little bit longer, even though you hear the voice, you're like, hey, wait a minute. Yup, yup. I know that voice. Not and they definitely pull the attention away as he's fighting a very surreal grunting, grunting. <laughs> grunting bullheaded gentleman. Just, oh my god. I think it's supposed it's, to be a minotaur. But it's but, but it's not. It's, it's clearly it's, a helmet. It's just like a when, dude when he cowhead. Yeah, like when he holds up the helmet and, and says uh, says whatever he says about the enemy of the city being slain, whatever it was. You can see the two straps dangling down. It's it's clearly it's unabashedly a helmet. So. Mm-hmm. I was watching the scene, and I'm like, is this just, like, a poorly done Minotaur? And I was giggling like crazy because it was making, like, the bull grunts. But then when the guy dies, he just takes the helmet off. It's like, wait, that's just a guy? And it just... It, kayfabe, it, man. It you gotta me... stick with the kayfabe. You make people believe you. Yeah? Yeah. It just... Oh. I, I'm not used to so many surrealistic things just, just punched in right one after another. It's, it, it's a fun ride. I love it. Hmm. <laughs> and, I mean, when you first start the movie up and you see the names John Cleese... Sean Connery, Ian Holm, Michael Palin, and then you get follow-ons later that didn't make top billing, like um, Jim Broadbent. Broadbent. Jim Broadbent is great, and he has the the game show role. Then he does great in, and it's just a small role, but that's like UK filmmaking. You have all these really good top-quality actors that take small roles and make your whole film just full of really awesome powerhouse actors was jim broadbent a powerhouse actor at that time uh, no i don't think so had an amazing career over the last however many uh, yeah he's great i think he started taking off in the 90s i really like him from topsy-turvy i didn't realize that george harrison was in this movie <laughs> like what the hell i know he's I, yeah i, I know he's a huge right. yeah I know he's a huge, huge, huge Monty Python fan. I, I didn't realize he was in this. Okay, so no. He, uh, George Harrison, he uh, mortgaged his office building so he could finance his film. What a nice guy. That's awesome. Yeah, really wanted to make this particular movie. Hopefully it worked out for him. Yeah, because it was, it was back in uh, Life of Brian that he he created uh, handmade films to help out with the funding on it because, if I recall correctly, they didn't get a lot of money for Life of Brian and the studio was kind of like looking to back out. 
especially based off of the uh, the subject matter. Oh, right. Yep. And George Harrison was all on board because he absolutely loved Monty Python, so he wanted to do anything he could to help out. That's where my things are getting uh, crossed. Man, that, that George Harrison really liked the old uh, Monty Python stuff real, a lot, a whole lot. Yeah, I, I had <laughs> no idea he was in this movie. I, I kind of want to go back and try to pick him out. So, I mean, we're doing a good job of talking about things that we enjoy from this film. Yeah, like... Uh, remember the uh, the 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 um, uh, Robin Hood scene where he yes. had, like, the <laughs> terrible marauding marauding band of uh, people? It's right after they get the gold because Robin's all like, "Thank you so much for this gold. It's a great. The poor people are gonna love this." And like all the <laughs> everyone around him is just like, "Well, this gold is for us," but they're not saying it to Robin Hood. It's a very funny take on uh, how the merry merry men around Robin Hood uh, would be acting i also like the guy punching every poor person who takes a yep. piece of gold you get, yeah you get, yeah. You get your yeah. gold you get a punch in the face good trade off. truly necessary yes i take a couple of pounds worth of gold for a, a punch to the face that's money right there yes i also like how it's like a supreme evil or whatever that character he's just evil and he's obsessed with technology and, and thinks that the uh the other supreme being is just not not with the times. He's got to get on board with silicon and CPU, silicon revolution or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So you could probably say that he won in the long run. I just, I mean, it totally takes any possibility of being, you know, possibly long term. That's too scary, and removes that. Plus, having Beetlejuice style things coming out of your head there there was an attention to detail that went throughout the entire movie where like it's supposed to be a, a kid's dream kind of thing so they kind of put things all the way through up into the very last scene where in the intro scene where he goes to bed you're in his room and uh you look around and it is the messiest room uh, I have ever seen in my life, and I was like, "Wow, that's a lot of set dressing going on here." This yeah, is, but uh, it actually looks like a kid's insane. room instead of being, you know, a quote unquote. You can't see me doing the air air quotes. It's a child's room. They really focus up on it, and you're sitting there like, "Wow, this this is." And then they bring it back, like, "Oh, you're a messy kid. You, you need you should be clean up after yourself." At one point, somebody says, and then at the end of the movie, where there's the big fight, like everything that's in that that's in the big fight is in his room. The tank, the Base blaster, yep, the, everything else. Like, and you, you get it when the, it all gets smashed when he gets pulled out of his room by the fire firefighters. Yeah. Like, that entire set is is there, and that kind of detail. Uh, that was definitely one of my one of my, um, one of of my my notes there. The theater where Napoleon's watching the puppet show, that's in the background in his room. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, the whole Middle Ages stuff. He had all the knights on his wall. Yep. You know, Lights in the... a lot of callbacks, a lot of setting things up. That puppet show is probably the biggest belly laugh I had in this movie. Well, one of them. Just just the, the muttering voice of, what what's happening? That was just, oh my god. <laughs> this is so many good one-off, like, random punch jokes that happen in just, like, a couple of seconds. And it's, it, oh, it, it's hard for me to not get excited to talk about this, this too much. I like that they portrayed Napoleon as being obsessed with everyone's height and knew (laughs) every great commander's height and just getting plastered and just rattling them off. To the detriment of actual history, he said he was 5'1", and Napoleon was actually 5'6", or 7'. Yep. He wasn't terribly short, but, you know, 
that's that's the thing and it does make for a very fun uh very fun joke yeah absolutely so interesting tidbit I, i read this did you guys realize that Sean Connery wasn't actually supposed to be in the movie. <laughs> oh no! Wait, what? Really? They were doing they were doing the the screenplay, and apparently they wrote in the Minotaur fight. And when when they go to take take the dude's helmet off, they they wrote revealing it to be none other than Sean Connery or somebody of equal or lesser pay. Some along those lines. <laughs> they just wrote it in as a complete joke. But then apparently George Harrison was golfing with Connery. Brought brought up the idea and Connery was on board. God damn it! <laughs> nice. Just what a nice save. <laughs> I believe I had also read that Sean Connery's uh, recording had uh, his his time to record was spent on like the Agnon part, and uh, so he was done. They, he actually flew in on his own time to finish to do, record that last scene. Yeah. He he mentioned to Terry, wouldn't it be great if I came back as like a fireman at the end or something? <laughs> then he came back. Oh, it's it's just it's too good. It's too good. And and apparently he helped him out with the film as well. He like credits him to kind of breaking down some of the more elaborate things he had planned, storyboarded and everything for the time uh with, with Connery. Like Connery basically just came in and, and started shuffling through saying, You're not gonna get this done, you can't do that, you can't do that, and kinda like broke down things and made it more manageable versus the complete chaotic structure and, and, and time that he was planning on actually filming. So huh. it, it sounds like Connery was just like a blessing in disguise. He just kinda came onto the picture just oh, it's it's just perfect. I wonder why that part of the movie felt a little bit more put together and it was so much longer than all the other parts of the movie. Like they got so much more done with that part of the movie because somebody's like, hey, here's how you do this a lot quicker. Yeah, yeah. He, he even said that. He said something along the lines of like, and all of a sudden it felt like there was a, a professional on set showing me how to do things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it it pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I, I just love the fact that he was just written in as a joke and then sure enough, he he's in the production. <laughs> yeah, shoot, shoot, your, uh, shoot your shot, right? That's what they say. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, a little something that may get passed over that I found very funny um not only did the uh, parents house have like this kitchen that they wanted to have all these technology items in that don't quite work a la later gremlins but um their furniture is wrapped in plastic and that was a fun joke when i was young because I saw it all the time in that people wanted to preserve their furniture, keep it as nice as possible, so you wrap it in plastic. And I never knew anyone who actually did it, but I always found it funny that that was something people apparently did. And seeing it here just made me feel like being young again, and that was a a popular joke. But you go further down the line, and the evil guy has the same thing. All his furniture is wrapped in plastic <laughs> as well. His furniture and his, and his grunts, his minions are also wrapped yes. in plastic. <laughs> exactly. And he is addicted to technology, just like the parents. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I uh-huh. guarantee he doesn't peel the little plastic film off his com- new computers. <laughs> oh man, that's that is just peeling plastic. That 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 protective plastic off of any piece of new tech is such a form of catharsis. <laughs> not, not for everyone. It depends on the device. Sometimes I leave the plastic layer on because I'm like, I want this to remain as new as possible until it looks like garbage. And then I'm like, well, it's not doing anything to make it look nice. So then I rip it off and I'm like, ah, I saved the surface of this device <laughs> about a year's worth of wear and tear. 
That was Nicole. She left. She left the screen protector on her uh, her center console on the CRV for the first like year that she owned it. <laughs> and of course, like there was just this little tiny peel in the corner that was that was up, and it was of course dirty, and the rest of it was clean. And there's like a bubble, and it's just it drove me insane riding in the car, not being able to pull that off <laughs> until one day I got it and it was off. She had finally pulled it off after like a year. So but my mom got a, like her, her last car, or her current car was used. She got it used. One of the days, like I was just like, I was at her, I was at their house and I was looking at the back of their car and I, it's a VW Beetle. So I was looking at the badge, the bad, the VW badge. I'm like, why is the VW logo blue? And I walked up to it and I looked and it, it had, a, the, the entire logo had perfectly cut film on it. Oh God. And I'm like, mom, whoever owned the car before you didn't take the, the, they must have bought the car like from VW directly. Or they replaced the VW logo with an off-market one and they put the the blue stuff on there, you know, and protect it during shipping. Or something. Yeah, apparently the, the, the owners had never taken it off and the car was already six years old. That's so good. And so like... That car must have gotten washed a couple of times, you'd think. Some good Some protective good plastic. plastic. And it, it, like, you did, you, you did barely had to do anything to get the plastic to come off. It just peeled right off. But anyways, what we were talking about, we were talking about a movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Time bandits. Yeah. Way to steal some time. Mm-hmm. That's how I thought was going to happen in this movie. I thought they were going to steal time. Look how stupid I am. Oh. They're going through time and stealing. We were so young and naive. More sense. So much more sense. I just watched it three weeks ago for the first time so young and naive maybe i should have known better i mean i don't think we could have known anything ken nothing nothing could have prepared me for the for the gentleman under the under the ship (laughs) that's probably one of my favorite scenes in all cinema history that scene was the tipping point for the living room oh god what the hell are we watching I could absolutely see people just, like, dividing at that point. You got this giant guy yawning coming out of the ocean. It's just... (laughs) With the ship strapped to his head because it's clearly not just sitting there. That is the exact point where I could see people just, like, you just lose people. (laughs) I just, I love that. Their idea is to drill a hole in this guy's head. And dump something green, some kind, in the <laughs> some kind of sleeping juice to the brain. Sleeping, sleeping juice. Yeah. First, they try smacking him with a hammer. That doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> that part was a bit unsettling for me. Yeah. I loved it. I, I loved it for the sake of the little shack with the with the bickering couple and the screaming baby. It's just like what the hell. <laughs> You just hear those two going back and forth. It was so abrupt. I look away from the screen for like two minutes, and all of a sudden they're riding on top of somebody's head. I'm like, what the what hell did I miss? Happened? What, 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 what did I miss? I barely missed anything. All of a sudden there's a guy underneath the ship, and he's absurd. <laughs> this movie, it's just things just things happen like a child's head. And then this happens, mm-hmm. and then this happens. Oh, God. It's so good. It's so good. Also with that, the ogre who is middle-aged and feeling all his pains and his bones <laughs> yes. aren't doing so well. But his wife, who looks like the perfect housewife and stuff like that, is like the real monster of the pair. <laughs> who's grinding feet into foot powder. I loved that. Absolutely loved that. They help him out with his back and he just turns into a teddy bear. And she's the one who's asking whether or not they're ready to eat. It's like, holy <laughs> shit. It's just such a great stark contrast between the two. I really love Money or Your Life. Yep. The TV yeah, the game, game show. show that repeated into the uh, imagination zone. And just watching 
what was happening on that game show. I mean, dangling elderly people over a giant vat of custard. <laughs> and the lady apparently answered the question wrong and had her husband face first into the custard. And <laughs> I guess that's just what happens <laughs> on Money or Your Life. And the, the old dude is all beat up already, so, like, how many questions yeah. did, did she get wrong? <laughs> and she was perfectly fine in the show. Mm-hmm. All right, I mean, we could just go scene by scene through this and say how everything good was, but the pinnacle of everything being good in this movie is that you have your main cast, obviously different from everyone else in the cast, yeah. but that is never used to be funny it's never called out. They are just like everyone else in the film. And that is the top reason that that is so, such a good film. It was, it was very refreshing, yes. Napoleon kind of calls it out. But they chose to do that. That was them knowing they had an advantage. And they took that advantage. Yes. It wasn't to make fun of them. And it wasn't forced onto them. No, it, it kind of fits into, you know trying to be of a child's imagination the child thinking of you know adults but they're just the same size as him they're child-sized adults it kind of fits in the theme i can see that of the whole thing on the on the the, the same note as casting uh, the uh i believe it was palin thought that a child could not carry a movie and that's why they had all the uh dwarves in there to help move the movie forward with hmm. adult oh, okay. uh, also the child who is in this movie was not the child who was uh his it was his older brother who was there to uh audition and he got the role correct i bet that made going home fun oh i bet so much fun what is probably a very quiet car ride (laughs) i guess we can celebrate but also (laughs) just just not too loud your brother will hear (laughs) (laughs) now is there anything that anyone would like to bring up dan that you'd don't care for in the film or that just rubs you the wrong way can we get a knuckle cracking okay. sound effect there it is Ooh, that that's how um just just from gauging how the rest of my family was watching this movie no one knew what was going on at all and that was a huge problem yeah. like not understanding what was really going on oh i mean this is one of those movies where if you look away for a minute you're you're lost. Absolutely. Oh, well, you go to the bathroom and come yeah. back. No one, no one left the room. Well so down like, the road from you. <laughs> I I don't know. Like there was there was a lot of what are we watching? Like what what ha- I don't understand what happened. What where's the plot of this movie going? This is back when movies didn't feel the need to cater to their audience and tell them what's going on. They, they expected the mo- you to come with the movie, not the movie to have to drag you along with. I'm with Ken. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was trying my I, I, old man curmudgeon voice, but <laughs> listening to you guys like enjoy enjoy this movie, and I I didn't. It just I didn't. I try I try really hard to enjoy all the movies that we watch, and this one is up there in movies I don't like any anymore anymore. I remember enjoying this movie when I was little. I think in this case, it's a forest and trees type thing. I really like looking at the trees in this case, but the whole forest seemed like a haunted forest that wasn't, that was spooky and I don't necessarily want to watch. It was a hard movie to get through. Yes. Just because it was so disjointed and it was so all over the place and frantic. However, 
there are the bits and pieces in there that are the gold nuggets that you reach down into and you remember, and it, it makes the movie fun. So at least it's not a terrible slog to get through, like resent the movie at the time I was spending with the movie. It was just difficult to get through. It wasn't the life of Brian. That's that's exactly the comment I was going to make. Life of Brian, I, I feel like as a structure for that movie, it was, it was more... It was more sound, but it had less scenes that I remember. There's some things that I still chuckle if I think about, like, you know, the, like, 30, 40 Romans all marching into the house and then all marching back out. That's a funny gig. <laughs> I, I forgot about that until we until I just mentioned the name. But <laughs> there's, there's not really a lot to that movie that I come back and, and pull from the well. But I, I would rather take this movie over that movie because this had, like Dan, or like Ken said... It had it had more trees to it, so there's a lot more things in this movie that I, if I stop and think about, night bursting out of a closet, terrifying a child in his room. That's that's funny to me. Dude walking out of the ocean with a boat on its head. That's that's funny as hell to me. There's a lot of individual scenes in this movie that work, and they just they they hit me in the right right funny bone. But overall, as a movie, would I say it's a good movie? Is it a good structure? No, not at all. And like like Ken said, it was a little hard. There were some spots where it was like it, it felt like it was dragging, and it felt like did five minutes just pass or ten minutes just pass, and then all of a sudden, boom, you have Sean Connery. It's like oh holy shit! Like the whole Titanic sequence kind of was like a slow burn for me for some reason. I don't know, but there's there's a lot in this film that just it, it punches me, makes me laugh. But I don't know if I'd ever go back and, and watch the entire thing again outside of going back to look at the scenes that made me giggle. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I don't know. I think it it is. I think what got me was that the movie made it feel like they were they being the cast were going to be like hopping through time, where in reality the cast is just hopping through the kid's bedroom. And if you weren't prepared for that kind of flip, because it happens about halfway through the movie of them, like because first they're first they're in. They're in France during Italy, or not in France, they were in Italy, through Napoleon's push through through there, and then they jump to the Middle Ages, and then it just gets weird. Yeah, so it goes from, they're jumping from time to time to these weird things, like the ogre and the... Yeah, because those were those were things that yeah. that Kevin had drawn on his board, that had on, um, either on, their drawings on his board, or they were the the, like, the wall that the crew pushed through had all the the different photos and drawings and whatever on it well yes but that's the filmatic way of then making the viewers question whether the kid was asleep and dreaming the whole thing or did it happen and then he pulled the pictures out and it really truly did happen so it's like oh but you know he's living in a pretty bizarre world to start with where they have blatant murder as a game show and technology where you can cook an entire meal in 15 seconds that's gonna that's coming man that's gonna was it cook i forget what what the act of making the food was there's so many things in this movie as a microwave that's why the the house started on fire because somebody microwaved their food for too long well it wasn't food it was evil (laughs) evil food i mean from from a from an outside standpoint i agree with you guys like there's there was a lot of things in this movie that i really enjoy and i i i have good memories of but man like going back and and watching it again i i don't think i would ever go back again 
ever. I think I might go back just to see how many uh, other movie tropes I could get out of this to see just how densely packed it was. Because we went through the Gremlins, the Back to the Future, two time food. <laughs> There's so many other thing, other tropes that were taken. It feels like it was taken from this movie. Maybe they existed prior to this movie. Probably did. But it seems like this movie is just so densely packed with various things that were taken in the future. It's kind of neat. Beetlejuice, like I mentioned. Yeah. Do plan on watching Brazil and the adventures of Baron Munchausen soon just to see where this whole story that Mr. Gilliam has written goes. Because I haven't seen the other two. They do not tie together. I'll be very clear with you about oh, that. Well, they do not have anything to do with each other. According to Mr. Gilliam, they are part of a trilogy. Yeah, but so is the Cornetto trilogy. They, it doesn't necessarily uh, mean yeah, that. I suppose. Yeah, that's a good point. They had ice cream in common. <laughs> <laughs> and that was an accident. <laughs> and between those these three movies of Terry's that w- we can watch, I, I think Brazil is the easiest to follow, even though it's pretty freaking wild you could say that again (laughs) but i think baron munchausen is kind of erratic like this film is Hmm. if i remember it correctly but either way i mean hey if we all want to watch them i'm down for that all right well i'm gonna wrangle this back into the actual recording one of the things that i put in the bad category and it's not exactly bad because i didn't think about it until the very end and I put the music. And I, I, it's not that I think the music is bad. I just don't think it's good. Hey, that end credits song is a f***ing banger. God, I swore again. Damn it. Really? I wanted to skip the oh, hell out of that Oh, what do you song. mean? George Harrison. Nah, I didn't care for it. But yeah, I mean, that's it's not a terrible thing that you go through a movie and you don't remember the music. That means it fit. Yep. I don't, like, I have no recollection of the music other than that was, like, the last note that I made was that, I forget what the song was. There was something of George Harrison's and him singing. For those of you who don't know, it's Dream Away by George Harrison. Okay. Like, one of my, I'll say more favorite films is almost, uh, like, I listen to the soundtrack just as much as I watch the movie because the soundtrack enhances the movie and i think actually the movie i'm thinking of that i can't remember the name of at the moment if they didn't have that soundtrack the movie would not be as good but i think in this case the music is there it's it it fills in but it doesn't enhance well i i think um the soundtrack to black panther that soundtrack is really good it's also got a really good movie to go along with it yes uh, what was now, now that now that you're saying it, I'm thinking it. There was another one that I I thought that had a really good. Oh, Tron Legacy. Yeah, but yeah. that's that's because I'm I'm a huge fan of Daft. Punk. The soundtrack really made that movie. Yeah, I I can't imagine that movie being any good without Daft Punk basically pulling it along. <laughs> I gotta get around to watching that just because. I like classic Tron so much. It's really good, and I was really disappointed when they said that there were there wasn't going to be a sequel to Legacy, but there might still be a sequel to Legacy. If they smell enough money. Yeah, right? I think it was that stupid Tomorrowland movie that bombed that ruined all chances for Tron, at least. Yeah. That's what I heard, I think. Tomorrow, what Tomorrowland bombed. Because that was such a bad movie. It was so bad. Like, I wanted to enjoy Tomorrowland, and it's, it's just... Oof. Well... Anyone else have anything? I mean, I got a bunch of notes about, like, specific things in the movie that, like, irked me that mm-hmm. I could rant about, but it's it's not necessary. 
Dan, that's not. I've already, I've, already, I've, but I've already said what I like, how I feel about this movie. I like bits and pieces of it. I don't like the movie as a whole. So like me picking apart other scenes doesn't being need to be... too nice about it, Dan. You have to be angry. No, I don't the internet need only... to be angry. If I do that, that raises my blood pressure, and that's just not good. I I am chill here. I'm going to be. F- I... You have to be angry to get internet famous. No, I refuse. All right, Dan, you're just holding us back then. You can't see the squinting, but I'm squinting really hard. I can feel it. I can feel it. Good. <laughs> All right, so after watching it this time around, has I, I, I've heard from Dan, his feelings have changed on it. Has anyone else had feelings that have changed on it since the last time you saw it? I've never watched it before, so yes, I have feelings towards the movie now. That's it, same boat. curiosity. <laughs> How about you, Joe? Well, I mean, I never saw the whole thing all the way through, so I I always kind of just never went forward to watch it because these other films are just so good. I guess I was just scared that maybe this one wasn't as good and that I'd be disappointed, but I had such a good time watching it. I mean, I like I've said, I'm a huge Terry Gilliam fan. I love his work. I love his humor. I love his creativity. This fell right into all of that. So if you like that stuff, this is right up there for you. It's not, like you said, it's not an easy movie to watch if you want the absolute structure of film. But it does. It has the circle. It Everything comes back to that beginning again. Uh, so it does have some structure. But I think uh, it has gone up in uh, my opinion. My opinion of it is higher than what it was before. I am no longer scared of the movie. I enjoy the movie. <laughs> I enjoy the movie. So quick question. Well, I, it's in my head. How do you how do you guys feel about the kid wanting to stay with uh, Sean Connery in the old times? I don't blame him. His parents are awful. Agreed. It's like Harry Potter before Harry Potter. Why are there so many kids movies focusing on shit parents? Because it's an easy trope to pull off. There's a good chance that kids are angry at the adults lording over them. Do you think that movie uh, producers are like, I want my kid to watch this and not think I'm a piece of shit, so I'm going to make adults in this movie just the worst. (laughs) See, son, I'm not so bad. (laughs) Eat your gravel and go to bed. (laughs) Oh, you had gravel. (laughs) Do you guys... Feel this movie can stand up today it'd be tough if somebody said they were interested in watching it i'd be like yeah give it a try it's it's worth your time but it's uh i mean the graphics are definitely outdated the music is eh. the uh acting is passable apart from it's passable Jeez. at best and sean connery did really a great job movie. acting sean connery did a great job some of the people did i just child actors are child actors in this movie and it just seems i love michael palin and that other lady coming back in multiple times and places mm-hmm. as basically the same characters just slightly different same people through time that was great shelly duvall a couple times yeah they're very dramatic actors i really started watching it with a critical eye towards the end this be like okay would this be seen as acceptable the hd uh Transfer looks very good. I watched it on the TV that 120 120 hertz refresh rate, and for it looking real, the only the only issue that I noticed was that they it's that that issue with older movies that they, if they were using film for farther distance scenes and then jumping to a close up, they use different film for the close ups, and you can and you can see that the the the, the long shots 
have a lower quality of film than the up close. The long shots are a little bit less real looking. The models are also not exactly the best, but they're pretty, still pretty good. I like them, but they look like models. They look like models, but you gotta remember the movie also came out in 81. Yeah. So like... I swear they stole one of the shots for Lord of the Rings. Same camera move, same idea. I was like, man, that looks like that would be straight out of Lord of the Rings. So they jump forward in time. They stole a scene. No. (laughs) The people in the future use this movie. Ken. I tried. (laughs) But it's it's easy enough to have a okay time with this movie. So if you're in the mood for something a bit bizarre, it's worth a watch. If you're into Monty Python, give it a watch. It's definitely worth a watch in that case. Just just go in remembering that it's not going to be the quality that is Holy Grail. It's going to be a different type of movie because it's not a series of sketches. It kind of is, but actually it, it kind of is a series of sketches because he's going through time. It is a series. Ah, I mean, that, that was one of the notes that I, I got is that it, it has a lot of the disjointed joke setups. Yep, because it is a series of sketches where they loop together with a similar theme i.e same main characters and tie it together with a child's imagination and so they can make it feel more like a narrative but do we need time ban- the big question yeah. is do we need time bandits to be rebooted or is it good where it's at i think it's good where it's at it's great where it's at i don't know how how it would be redone either it would get redone to the point where it's it's not the same movie at all and it's like a serious movie about a kid who gets kidnapped by people who travel through time. Ooh, a gritty time bandit? Yeah. It ended up being gritty. Ugh. Or they would try to make it more politically correct, which doesn't work because it's an absurdist movie. I would not want to see it be made gritty. I would not want to... I mean, you could do it. I don't know if I would care because it's not going to be Terry Gilliam unless you find someone who can make that same kind of absurdity in creativity it's just going to be boring because time travel is not a fun mechanism anymore it's been beat into the ground and it's a zombie and zombies aren't entertaining anymore no star trek uses it all the time and it it works star trek uses zombies no time travel time traveling zombies (gasps) hey we got a new reboot not (laughs) new boot new boots Time traveling zombies in space. That sounds terrible. It's just a horde of zombies that occasionally blink into existence and float through the <laughs> void of space, moaning. Yeah, is it like localized time time travel? So like the zombies are like constantly like moving through time. That'd be terrifying. No, no, I, I like where Joe's going with this. There's, there's like there's like a riff. And all of a sudden, there's just zombies floating in space. They're they're not dead. They don't need air. So they they smack into the hull of ships and they bring them on board, going, "Oh my God, there's a person outside!" And then the, the zombies eat the crew, th- thus spreading this. Or they start eating the crew, they eat half the crew, and then <laughs> they blink out of space and time again. Ooh, mm-hmm. yes. Once they run out of food source, they they have to find new, fresh flesh. So. They, their body goes through a process that just flings them through time and space to find more uh, food. This is a thing that you introduce into a movie like, oh, you know, those time-traveling zombies as like a throwaway joke at the start of it. And halfway through the movie, right when something's uh, about to, right when they're about to figure out a problem, 
time time, tra- time traveling zombies come and eat half the crew members and disappear again. <laughs> There's a movie I recently watched that I had to pause because I was rolling on the floor laughing and unable to breathe for nearly three minutes or so. Like, no joke, it's been so long since that's happened to me. But I don't know if you guys saw uh, that that uh, movie with Kristen Wiig, uh, Barb and Star Go to Del Mar or whatever it is. I've not heard of it. Okay, it, it kind of came out, it was supposed to, I think, go to theaters, but because of the pandemic, it just kind of came to streaming and it was available, so I watched it, it was funny, but there is definitely a throwaway like that, where they just mention something throwaway in the beginning of the film, and it's just like, what the hell, like, what? what is that, that's stupid, ha ha ha, and then at the end of the film, something happens, and that comes out of absolutely nowhere, as, as the narrative as to why something <laughs> happened. And I was just dying from laughter. I had to pause everything. Just la- it was. It's been a long time since something like reduced me that that much. But yeah, it's uh, it's magical when that does happen. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, we I asked the question if it holds up. Did, did I asked the question if uh, your minds have changed over time? So yeah. I think that means that we officially. Burned the movie, Time Bandits, almost to the ground, but the firemen came in and left it a smoldering mess, and us just standing there alone to watch over Holding it. the ashes of our dead parents? Yes. <laughs> now, was it me, or was the smoke from the dead parents getting sucked yeah, back in, I, and everything was moving forward around them? That, I, I, that bothered that me, too. flipped me out. I didn't, I didn't know if there was something, like, how would they do that, though? Like... Yeah. Yeah, that that I I was just like I don't understand how this is working. What's going on? Hell, that's how evil works. <laughs> Poor kid had to be left with two smoldering piles of parents and all the neighbors not giving two flips. Walk away. What the hell? Just business as usual. Not even like a chuck on the chin and say tough luck, kid. Just ignore him. Anyway, just go to the pub and have a pint. <laughs> <laughs> all right so if you'd like to see more or see more Ooh, what if you would like to hear more we're not Are we do it i'm not saying anything di- different we're not doing anything different oh okay. thank god i thought i thought we we're gonna do some uh some uh little shop of horrors i thought that was gonna happen no well, i thought we were gonna get brats see more i mean someone's gonna get fed <laughs> go to the home of the hamburger hmm you'll be a dentist there's so many. Oh. <laughs> someday. Someday. <laughs> Indeed. But if you could also like, comment, subscribe, do all those crazy things because those help, al- help algorithms. And if we can't massage our algorithm, we'll always be at the bottom and it'll take you forever to find us. Well, you already found us because you're listening to us. But other people will take much longer to find us if you don't, you know, like share this stuff or profess your undying love for it by clicking thumb arrows and stuff. So do it. So anyway, come back in two weeks when this time we'll shoot some free throws with the Space Jam. Oh, yeah. A little bit behind the times, but that's also because we, we had a little miscalculation with when things were happening. So. We've got the space, so we might as well jam it in here. Oh, oh. oh, no. oh no. <laughs> so come back in two weeks when we rewind again. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat my Space Jam cereal and watch Space Jam, and it's going to be a good time.